0: Garrett, welcome to another edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. There were 18 of us in the Harvard College class of 1963. We were born in the 1940s and are now 80 years old. In 1959, we were the largest number of blacks ever admitted to Harvard. We entered Harvard as Negroes, but graduated as blacks and African-Americans. Our guest is David Fisher. He is University Professor and Warren Professor of History at Brandeis University. His new book is titled African Founders, How Enslaved People Expanded American Ideals. The book explores the little known history of how enslaved people from different regions of Africa interacted with colonists, of European origins to create new regional cultures in the colonial United States. I'm joined by 12 of my Harvard classmates.
1: Liz. Hi, um, I'm a member of the same class at Harvard as Kent and I live in Tacoma Park, Maryland, just outside of DC. The
2: Park? Yes, we know it well. I'm a Marylander born and, 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 and bred there.
1: Oh, okay. I'm not a native. I'm from California. Um, And uh, one of my interests is that I am a direct descendant of enslavers and am very interested in pursuing that understanding and making uh, links with people who were descendants of people that were enslaved by my family. Also, I've got COVID. And so if I either A, don't talk or B, leave the Zoom, that's why. Hmm. Okay. Get better. Right. Right. Spencer.
3: Okay. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, Spencer um, from Florida, uh, where it's a little cloudy today, but um, quite nice prospects. And I am a member of the class of 61 and I am uh, uh, concentrating uh, for the last uh, 40 years in uh, two elements. One is uh, blacky e- or <clears throat> Oppress the economic development, and the other one is uh, sustainable development. The crisis,
4: Peter. I yes, I Peter DeLisavoy. I live up in northern New Hampshire in the White Mountains, and I'm an editor and a writer. And I'm just looking forward very much to Dr. Fisher's fascinating sounding uh, topic. Bill. Yeah, Bill Collins. Class of 63, was a sailor. I had lighthouses on my shirt. I used to sail sailboats. No, not very big sailboats, small sailboats. And I was in the Navy 20 years, driving big ships around the ocean, and then worked for Westinghouse for a while. And now I've ended up in South Carolina because of work at the Savannah River site, from which I am now retired. The Savannah River site made plutonium and tritium for hydrogen bombs. Doesn't do that anymore, but cleaning up the waste now.
5: Uh, Alden Briscoe. uh, Grew up in New England, but live in San Mateo, California, just south of San Francisco. And um, I, uh, uh, my wife and I run a a consulting firm for nonprofits and fundraising.
6: Okay, Hamp. Uh, Class of 63, from New York and Boston. I've been living in uh, Nashville since 1978. Uh, uh, I try to bring together the personal and the political. I'm a still practicing clinical psychologist. Uh, and I get surprised at what new uh, layers of racism I, I discover often, including one. What what really shocked me on the write-up for today, David, was that uh, uh, how much African influence is shaped uh, shaped us in our early years and, and I was I was very aware how much our our, our culture is white and black in uh, recent years but the idea that it, it, it was in started uh, way back 200 300 years ago shocked me
7: well oh, hi uh, John Woodford here in Ann
4: arbor Michigan where I worked for the university editing a publication for a number of years and before that I was in um, newspapers and magazine journalism.
0: Okay, uh,
7: David Allen. Also class of 63 out in Concord, Mass where you brought us Albion Seed some years ago when Barbara Powell, my partner, was the director of the library. So looking forward to uh, see you're taking this next steps. Uh, my own life, I like to say has been a sampler startups for the first decade, academic life, uh, Cambridge uh, schools we know all too well for the middle part, and then recent decades, uh, activism, uh, both globally and very locally here, very much looking forward. Thanks for being here.
3: George Jones, again, class of 63. As Bill pointed out, the scene behind me is from Southwestern Ontario. I'm not there now, I'm in Ann Arbor like John, but I do hope to be there this this time next week.
0: All right, John, John, how are you?
3: I'm fine, Uh, I'm Bloomington, Indiana, retired professor of African-American and African Diaspora Studies, writer. Um, I have long been interested in the genesis and formation of America uh, with its encounter with people of African descent.
5: Hi, Jeff Fox, originally from Chicago, also class Harvard 63, uh, long time uh, living and working in in Latin America and writing about Latin America and Latinos, now writing fiction, living in Spain. Okay, Marcy. Um,
4: Living and working in New York City. Uh, I was the information center for the successful battle to get billions of dollars reallocated from the Westway Highway and Hudson River Development boondoggle to mass transit. And I've been working ever since to counter the rewriting of history by the losers to support bad Westway type policies and public spending
7: priorities today.
0: Okay, and Professor, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. And so tell us about your book and tell us about your life.
2: Well, Well, let me say quickly that uh, this is, uh, uh, this follows a a, a, a companion volume to a book that has already been mentioned here just a moment ago, Albion Seed, uh, which was about um, migrations of uh, different groups of English speaking um, settlers who came from different parts of, of Britain um, and and settled in different regions of different parts of the United States that I think had played a major role in shaping the the, uh, regions. I won't go into great detail. Just let me say very quickly, it was uh, East Anglia, the East of England to to New England. Uh, It was uh, from uh, the South of England and the West of England uh, to Virginia. Uh, it was from the north of England and and some of uh, London um, uh, to uh, the to the uh, the Delaware Valley to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, and then it was the from the the borderlands of North Britain, uh, both uh, uh, Scotland and the north of England and and parts of Ireland. Uh, they moved to what they called the uh, American backcountry and. Uh, Frederick Jackson Turner uh, uh, persuaded us to call the frontier. And um, uh, they they did everything differently um, in terms of their purposes, uh, their values. Uh, All uh, Protestants, uh, all sharing uh, some uh, uh, of the British uh, um, culture together, but uh, but with very, very different results. And then from then, it was a similar approach here. to African um, uh, groups coming uh, to America. Again, um, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a more diverse uh, pattern, went on over a longer period uh, and came from at, at least uh, nine regions in Africa. Uh, and uh, I, I won't go into great detail about all of them. I think it's, la- it's, it's laid out very clearly in the architecture of. The, of, of of the book, um, and, and in each case we get different groups of of Africans who became leaders in America, uh, and I think it was that diversity that was uh, of great importance, as well as the the, the 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 culture of Africa itself. Now I should also say that uh, my wife and I, 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 I uh, my my wife Judy is a. A Mr. A biologist uh, at, at Harvard MIT, uh, and uh, we we've, we've been at, at, we're, we're both in our late eighties now, and have been tra- tra- traveling together on all of our various uh, 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 enterprises, uh, and she's very very much of a of a, of a collaborator uh, in in this uh, in this project. Now maybe I should shut up at that point. Um, I tend to. Talk on any after many years in the classroom. I I I, my, I talk for about 50 minutes on any subject. I think maybe I should subside, and invite questions, comments. I'd like to take the all of this anywhere you all want to want to go. Uh, so I'll, I'll 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 take my cues from 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 your from from your questions. Okay, I yeah.
6: say, I really appreciate your uh, uh, listening. All the all my professor friends are impossible to be on the other end of, and, and they won't shut up.
2: I'm I'm barely so, hearing uh, thank you. you. Um,
6: uh, thank you for being willing to listen.
5: Thank you. <laughs> I I think what we all want to know is what were the big differences as to uh, the, the the big contrast of. Uh, Africans from one region rather uh, as distinct from those from another region and if you can give some examples of uh you know uh, of, of the consequences in the united states yes well um
2: i think um we uh, I, I, I we began the book begins with with a movement for of uh, to to New England and these were uh, Africans who came from west africa um uh, they were mostly uh, people who shared uh, cultures that are African uh, uh, scholars call Aiken, Akan, A K A N cultures uh, in, um, uh, in in in, in um, 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 much of of of, of the, the coastal West Africa, uh, and they were they they, they came to uh, New England, and uh, I thought they were pretty, they, they were their numbers were not large. Um, but they had a strong sense of who they were. I think you can I say they came from uh, the Côte d'Ivoire, uh, the, the, uh, I think the, the largest concentration of them came from uh, Ghana, as we call it today, uh, reaching into the, the Western parts of Nigeria. And you'll see um, accounts uh, in, in some detail. In, in in my book um uh in, in with with this uh this regional um pattern that um i thought was uh, was exceptionally strong and uh the we uh, we we I, I should say we my, my wife and i spent a fair amount of time in on that stretch of the Af- of the african coast Georgia, uh, traveling uh <laughs> with our own um, translators uh and uh, and escorts uh uh, trying to get into uh, villages communities uh, throughout that that region and that's what that's the way we went about uh, making in, inquiries uh, uh, uh here and they these these people um were were um very quick to um to to challenge um the, in, in bondage that they were they were put to in New England, and they also uh, were uh, quick to uh, demand they 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 were quick to, to perceive possibilities in the in the in the New England culture, and instantly uh, began to, uh, to seek their own freedom. Uh, they uh, uh, obtained it in various ways in small numbers. And then by the time of the American Revolution, they were beginning to demand the right to vote and rights of of, um, full participation in in, in America. And what they did was to enlarge the values of New England. I think they greatly broadened the culture of New England by that sort of challenge. And um, I thought that that culture was was very interesting. Mm -hmm. We found something different in, in 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 New Netherland um, uh, in, in the 17th century, uh, in which uh, Dutch traders uh, 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 were were dealing mainly with people who came from Angola at the beginning. It changed. Uh, we get we have uh, increasing um, uh, um, amount of, uh, sources uh, for for estimating uh, of the, the the composition in the regional composition of African trade in America the African the slave database now is enormous and uh, has uh, gives us uh, uh, a, 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 a very strong uh, data for now um, many thousands of slave voyages uh, and that's the basis of uh, 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 that's the that's the that's the quantitative basis of of of, of, of my work in all of these. All of these regions, uh, but these uh, Angolan slaves um, uh, were, uh, were, were uh, slaves, often who were of a uh, highly developed uh, economic culture in on the coast of Angola, uh, and um, uh, they were uh, they they came to America with 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 many um, uh, skills of um, uh, in trading and that sort of thing, long experience in that. Uh, and uh, when, when they uh, got into uh, new into um, uh, 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 into new level, they instantly began a process of bargaining with their Dutch masters. They realized that their Dutch masters, who were highly um, uh, 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 commercialized, who were mainly interested in profits, and they offered uh, various inducements um, uh, to their masters. Um, of uh, 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 ways that masters could could gain in some ways by uh, extending individual rights to some of the, uh, to, and so there was a process of bargaining that went on between these Angolan slaves uh, mm-hmm. and, and their Dutch masters. And uh, they worked out um, uh, arrangements for beginning to pry open some possibilities of, 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 of living with some degree of, of choice and freedom within slavery uh, by offering inducements, which I describe in, in some detail in that section. And in that process, they created a, a much more a sort of a commercialized world that, in which Africans slowly began to, to creep ahead uh, there. Um, It was, uh, I I won't go into great detail about the other regions, it was was different in in each region, but always it was a different group of Africans, they had some, uh, I I I should begin, I should also add that that, uh, slaves came uh, to America in every region, in each region, from every part of the slave coast of Africa, as I would call it. Uh, from the the bulge of West Africa down uh, to Southern Angola. Uh, And uh, all of those regions, uh, 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 slaves appeared in each of the American uh, regions, Uh, but the concentrations were very different from one to another. And it was those concentrations that it allowed some of the local cultures to to, uh, preserve a kind of cohesion, uh, which I think existed in slavery. Mm-hmm. much more so than I think people have appeared until we get the full results of all of this incredible outpouring of quantitative data that we now have at our, that all of us have at our hands mm-hmm. on our computers today.
0: John. Well, what about I'll, you? I'll stop
2: at that point. I could go on for 50 okay. minutes and you don't
4: want that to happen. John. So I,
2: I will stop right there and then follow your questions wherever okay. you want
6: to go.
4: What, what, was, the in, what was the influence of, the Islamic uh, adherence among the slaves and those
7: who were not.
2: Yeah. Well, I thought that there were. It was interesting to see that the proportions who were Islamic varied from one one of these regional movements to another. I think it was particularly strong in some of the 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 the, the, in the, the, the Mississippi Valley, Louisiana. There was a, more of a presence of, of Islamic slaves there. Uh, and there were other groups in, in parts of South Carolina in particular that I have, have, written, have written about. And uh, they, um, they, were, um, they were people who uh, to really tried to preserve their religion in the face of Christianity. Uh, and, and did so with some success. It, it, they, they had to do it secretly, but they did it none, nonetheless. And we know all this from the testimony of slaves themselves primarily, uh, which is what what I'm drawing from uh, in these in the slave data a, a database and uh, so that I think that they everywhere they went, uh, they created the Africans created a kind of um, afro-European, um, culture in America, borrowing from the the, the the European cultures of their of their masters, uh, with Christianity, combining it with African religions uh, uh, and and also with Islamic with with it, it was the Islamic group as well, to create a they what they did was to expand the diversity of America in all of these ways, and also to add a kind of spiritual intensity to what was going on there, which I think has been very important to American history.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill?
4: Yes, I just wanted to go back to the English-speaking immigrants. You, A brief comment, you said they were all Protestants, and of course in Maryland they were Catholics.
2: Yeah, that's right. They were uh, the, the, the Catholics were a minority in Maryland, uh, in, in, with some exceptions in St. Mary's and other parts of the, of the state, but Protestants very quickly became a majority in Maryland.
4: Oh, indeed, yes. 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 Which, was, which was changed, of course, in the mid, mid 19th century.
2: Yes. Uh, Spencer.
3: You. Yes, uh, I'm just delighted uh, with your work, David. Uh, you told my, my family's story, by the way, right at the beginning. Uh, I come from a Kahn people. Uh, Ashanti, Coromante from uh, uh, Ghana, what is which was then the cold coast and the yes. Ashanti empire. And you're right, they he, they did come to New England and you're right, they were uh, highly skilled uh, and uh, negotiated like you mentioned with the Angolans. So did the uh, Akan. The Coromante were the rebel groups and they had their own language, and part of the most of the slave revolts around uh, from the New World, all the way from uh, uh, from Suriname to Panama, all of Jamaica, everywhere, uh, were uh, often uh, uh, organized by the Acan, uh, by the uh, Shanti, uh, the the New England person that you uh, that you mentioned that they got involved. Uh, you may have been mentioning some people that, that I know very well because they got the first right to vote. They petitioned. They fought in the re- American Revolution.
6: Yes. Uh,
3: and uh, uh, so I think we're talking about the same group. That's my answer. <laughs> Direct the cuffs. And uh, and they did shipping. Uh, they owned their own ships, sailed them all over the world, and uh, so they were enterprising. You you, you described it exactly. Kind of like a movie, so I I think your your work I can't I can't wait to get to it. Uh, uh, It's got to be really fascinating. Thanks. Thanks I think
2: these 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 were uh, these were highly skilled. many of the Africans who came to America were much more highly skilled with a a richer culture than we have have perceived in them in earlier writings. And uh, they they were also economically more highly developed than we have thought. They, for example, had developed techniques for um, um, ironworking. Uh, even for for the creation of, for, even for working, making uh, steel, um, which they they had techniques for, for, yeah, for, for doing that were in some ways uh, superior to some of the techniques in, in Europe at the time.
3: And all yes. of that
2: w- was brought to America and put you to work. The,
3: the, and, the uh, iron that it, revolutionized uh, 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 energy in the U.S. Uh, petroleum before petroleum was whale oil, and uh, the a, a ironworker slave from North Carolina, Lewis Temple, migrated to to uh, New Bedford, and yes. invented a new uh, uh, whaling harpoon that enriched New uh, uh, New Bedford and made it the wealthiest city for about five years or 10 years in, in America. And his statue is there, Lewis Temple. So you're, 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 you're right on. Wow. Yes
2: And the more <laughs> we look, uh, the more we find of stories like that. And it's the diversity of those stories uh, that strikes me as particularly in, 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 important here. I think that the, what keeps us free in this country is our diversity. Uh, and I think all of this was profoundly important mm-hmm. to the way this open society works
6: today. Mm-hmm. Hemp. Yeah. Um, David, I'm, uh, one way that I find myself at a loss to follow you is that I am so ignorant. Uh, when I try, uh, I can visualize a map of Africa with the current nation states there. I, I, I cannot visualize Africa with the with the original cultures that were there like 300 400 years ago and uh, uh, I I just feel very limited by that
5: Yes,
2: I think we I think we all are but I think uh, uh, we we're learning I think uh, uh, we're the more and more um, um, uh, work is being done to, to uh, on on these African cultures as uh, and, and and on on uh, what, uh, 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 elements of them that that were brought to to America. So um, and uh, uh, I, I, I my my book rests on a, a huge amount of research that keeps growing exponentially these days into all into all of these all of these things. So, and a lot of it goes on very quietly in academia. Uh, many of the people who are doing this are 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 deep into the subject itself, uh, and 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 not engaged in some of the politics of, of academia. Uh, mm. That that uh, they're they're really they're really trying to 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 learn more about these groups um, and and are,
6: are succeeding. Is there a way that you could summarize? Like three or four of the major regions in uh, Africa in 1600?
2: Three or four of the major regions in Africa? Yes. Yes. Well, I would say that um, uh, I just was most recently was talking about Angola, which would be one of the major regions, which would be in most people would uh, link that to what would be in, in, in some areas that would be associated with the Congo today uh but uh, in this in, in this in this culture uh, um we we find uh, a, a lots of evidence of um of of, 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 of a very rich commercial uh uh culture uh, uh, in africa with extreme um um uh, 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 conflicts within it uh, and uh, in, in Angola, uh, there were uh, groups of uh, Africans who um, in, invaded that region, uh, and were often involved in battling others who were in there. And these were uh, rather uh, the people who were not as highly developed in their in their in in their, in their economies and uh, uh, in their cultures. Uh, as the people whom they attacked in Angola, and they, but they were very powerful uh, militarily, and they captured some of these, some of the these uh, 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 other groups in Angola who were more highly developed in their culture and in their in their e- economics, and 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 sold them into slavery to European slave traders, uh, and that those these were these uh, the people who were who, who were in that and These Angolan groups were highly developed in, for example, in um, uh, the, the, their economic lives in Africa, and they, when they came to New York, they instantly began to uh, began to to in- interact with their Dutch uh, um, owners, uh, uh, using those skills to their advantage, mm-hmm. and so we get two entre- in entrepreneurial groups in. Um, in 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 New Netherlands, and the result is the culture of Manhattan today,
1: I think, uh, that we know and some of us love today. <laughs> Liz? Uh, well, to paraphrase whichever wife of whichever president it was, uh, what about the women? Um, yes. I'm, I'm very interested <laughs> in what you and, and your wife have found in terms of influences that uh, African women had uh, in the U.S., in America, and uh, you know, they they obviously had a huge influence. Oh, was profoundly
2: important. You're, yes,
1: wondering what
2: you're with with, with great strength and many of many of the women uh, that uh, I, I write about, they're they're very strong women. I think in almost every region. That I've written about in in in, in, in African American women from the from early early times and um, and uh, they they often uh, take take a kind of uh, of lead uh, that way and uh, I've uh, I, I uh, uh, and we I think we we've had more and more attention uh, to them but I think the that, that my I think uh, I, I would say that my leading uh, example may be. Uh, uh uh would would be harriet tubman and uh i I've, I've written about her at at, at great length uh, who uh, she escaped from uh, the chesapeake area to uh, to virginia uh and became a major figure in american history uh and we can see the uh, the strength of her leadership uh as a as a as a, a case in in point and uh she was um she was uh, uh, she was of Asante origins um uh, that is in west africa uh she uh, she was she uh, uh, was uh, uh, was raised in a warrior tradition in which women themselves were warriors as well uh and she she brought she she uh, she uh, built that into into uh, she inherited all of that and it became part of, the, of who she was, and and struggling first for freedom for herself, then for others, uh, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, uh, leading the uh, leading leading uh, movements in the 19th century, and we can uh, see that going back to African roots mm-hmm. and to a style of strong mm-hmm. presence and strong leadership for African women in Africa. And Harriet Tubman working very much within that in Maryland and then moving to Pennsylvania uh, when she fled to freedom and then working, working there.
1: Um, A brief follow up. Are there examples that you can give from the uh, 17th and 18th centuries? Uh, There are not so many uh, because our sources are not so
2: rich. Um, but wherever we wherever we look, we see wherever we look, we we find that uh, these things were were going on um, in, in every period and in every region um, in the same way, George.
3: So, what about language? Can you say a little bit about how African
4: languages affect the way that we speak today?
2: Oh, do they ever? I think it's just first of all, again, it's diversity. It's a diversity of African languages. Uh, that then meets a diversity of European languages, uh, and uh, I am not a linguist myself. But it's clear that uh, that Afri- African speechways um, became part of became African American speechways and have entered very much into, into into the I think the very texture of a, of American. Of American of American speech, I think uh, uh, we, uh, we uh, uh, I think as as American English uh, became increasingly uh, distinct from European uh, English, uh, we can see that uh, African the the, the the diversity of African languages of the the richness of of sort of 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 a the, 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 the range of expression in African. Uh, African of uh, speech uh, it passes into America. And it's the same thing with, uh, with music in particular, I think as it is with, uh, as it is with, with, with language. And I think almost everybody would uh, recognize the enormous gift of Africa to American, uh, Africans, Africans to American music. And uh, again, it's diversity. It happened in many different ways, and I try to tell those stories regionally in America. Uh, and it's the, it was the diversity that I think is the key to, to the creativity of American culture. The, the Africans were very good at learning languages. Uh, they, they were used to lang- linguistic diversity in Africa. Mm. And many of them had a great uh, diversity of African languages before they got to America. And they were able to deal with that very easily in, in America. And I think when they, what they did was to uh, acquire in English or French or whatever, without losing their African languages and preserving more of that in the way that they they spoke to uh, with one another, and we're getting more and more uh, the the evidence for this uh, uh, comes in various ways. One way that it comes is from the work that began to happen in the 20th century uh, with people um, interviewing. Uh, um uh, african-americans uh and uh recording uh the interviews and we have many of these uh, re- uh, of these uh, 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 re- records of african-americans speaking african-american and often african uh, dialects you know, they, these are in the library of congress wow uh, and they've been they, they've been they've been they've been much used and uh, uh that evidence uh is being studied by language uh, experts with more and more attention um, uh, that they've got the, they've got the, 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 all, the, all of these uh, recordings that were made in the mostly in the 1930s during the new deal that, this, that these these were people very elderly they were many of these were people who had been born in slaves even born in slavery even as late as the 1820s and 1920s and 30s they were still they were still alive and they were interviewed uh, and we we have uh, we have, uh, have have all of that at the Library of Congress and other places as well. There were there, there was quite a lot of work that was done in in Louisiana as well on uh, the Francophone cultures uh, the same way, and that's where that's where, what, what what my colleagues are, are learning as I have been learning more at a distance is that uh, they we we're, we're, were able to to uh, to listen to African. People who had been born in Africa, uh, in, in their late years, in their when they were in their seventies and eighties, recorded in the twentieth century, and we can hear them speaking to us in the Library of Congress today, and mm-hmm. uh, we can listen to the listen to their language. That's where that's where the this research, that's what this research is this work is based on. So we have a, a kind of a primary um, a, 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 a set of sources there that are are, are very very useful.
0: And David, is this basically new research, or or, or what is it?
2: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a. much of it's my my work. I've been, I I I've been going to the archives mainly. That's where I did most of my work is in in the major archives. Much of it at the Library of Congress, and other, but at most of the state historical societies throughout the throughout the country. Uh, but it also rests very heavily on the, on the work of others and on databases. We have these huge African databases now that have been African-American databases that are being put, put together. And, um, so we're all using that as, as, as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all of this is increasingly available online. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was available on microfilm and various forms of that sort. Now it's online. And, uh, so uh, I think more and more people have, have access to it. And I think more and more people are getting interested in it as, as, as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: David, David Allen. Uh, initially, David, you uh, pointed out uh, the role of leadership from these Africans who were brought into this continent. And then uh, you focused on the first example, a woman. Yeah. Uh, Harriet Tubman, uh, striking, first of all, that it was a woman. Um, beyond that, uh, I'm wondering, do you have examples uh, that are favorites to you uh, that we might not otherwise think of, uh, of cases, uh leadership in development of culture across the US from the Africans who came here?
2: Yeah. Well, there are so many. Uh... And uh, I, 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 in every region, I think there are, there were different groups of, uh, of, 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 of leaders. Uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm hard pressed to, um, to, to come up with a lot of specific examples. But let's see if I can, uh, if I can recover a, a few. I, I talk about um, um, uh, John Curati uh, in New England. Uh, and uh, he um, uh, was, um, uh, uh, these were, these were uh, uh, slaves who came from Anamabo, hmm. and uh, uh, many of them uh, were also of slave traders, some of them, uh, even as they themselves became enslaved and were sent. And uh, this uh, man uh, um, uh, had a son, uh, John Caranti had a son named William Anna. and you'll find him on page 45 of my book. And uh, um, he um, was called the Prince of Amamabu. Um, And um, uh, he um, uh, had uh, quite a a career. He was a slave in Barbados. Uh, Then his, his father who was very powerful in Africa uh, learned what had happened to him. His father was uh, an was a African a leader in Africa, and he uh, intervened with f- friends of his in London and bought his freedom, if you can <laughs> believe that. Uh, and um, he was celebrated as the Royal African received by the English Royal family. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, he he became a very prominent figure uh, in 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 England in the mid uh, 18th century, and you'll see his story laid out on page 46 in my in my book. And I could, and there are characters like this everywhere in every region. Um, and uh, uh, I, I was just astounded by the range and and richness of of all of this. And what I tried to do in my book was to bring these individual people um, to life again uh 300 years later uh, and to um uh, to because in many cases we have their own words uh we have the accounts of people who knew them well and so we, we we have we have portraits of this family as well uh and it's amazing how much of that material is is turning up more all the time the more we look the more we find i also don't want to romanticized slavery in any way. I think the a major theme of my book, which doesn't need to, to be documented in great detail, because I think it's abundantly evident, is the brutality of it all. And yet in the presence of that brutality, we see these extraordinary, the strength of this of individual striving by Africans. And now, thanks to this African database that we have, we can tell we can reconstruct individual stories, which I've done I, with men in every region. There are a, a, multiple, a multiple, of these individuals, and many other my colleagues are finding the same sort of sort of thing. Jeff. Very rich texture to all of this, Jeff. and uh, it's the texture of American life today that it has it helped to create. And I think all this uh, to me reinforces what I think is one of the most important um, perceptions about American history, which was uh, uh, Madison's idea that uh, it, it's, our, it's pluralism in America that that makes us free. And this is diversity that's squared and cubed and compounded on itself. Uh, and I think that becomes a source uh, 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 of uh, of creativity. And also, I think the interesting paradox is that the more diverse it became, that diversity had the effect of creating a kind of stability. It made it more and more difficult for any one group but to dominate the whole system. Until now. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's fundamental to, to, to this country that we live in today. Hmm. And I think that I, I, want to, I want to celebrate all of that. And well, so we get diversity compounded amongst it's, this is a story of African diversity, of European diversity, of American diversity, which is compounded by all of that mm. and i think that's what makes this country continue to to, to mm-hmm. Bill. So.
4: yeah a couple of comments first of all in this diversity you know which i agree with you completely that it's extremely important and a core source of the great strength of this country and yet today we have political movements to try and suppress it yeah right in the teaching of history and in the political sphere and so on which is just terrible and uh, of course that's not new i suppose i mean of course the ku klux klan was an yeah. expression of that before and so on um but i was wondering you mentioned these databases uh, are they accessible to us and how do we find them or do you buy your book and look in your look in your uh, bibliography yeah yeah to sure. find these databases you mentioned well,
2: you you can begin to get access to them very easily online today. They're, they're, nearly all of them are online, and the the American Slave databases are are, on, are online today. So, so that, that it, once you get I mean, get into it, and they I think it it rapidly opens up and is becomes very accessible to anyone who really wants to to, 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 to burrow to burrow into it. And um, we get we're getting more and more interest. Uh, by Africans in their own individual past, uh, uh, the, the, the African genealogy, African American genealogy is booming these days, and so we're seeing that as the as the Africans themselves or the African Americans themselves are are, are getting in, in, very active in, in, in all, all of this. And uh, but the, these are major, these huge databases that I, I cite in my book and or uh, are, are the are the main or are, are, are the quickest way, in and they're they're mostly accessible. Often you have to be able to get into them through an academic library. Uh, Gwendolyn Midlow Hall um, uh, is is herself African-American in Louisiana and has taken a lead uh, in organizing uh, the the searches and uh, uh, helping other people to search themselves And there are many other people who are working like that. She has been instrumental in building some of these databases and working with other scholars as well. And there are many other people like that all over the the United States who are doing this this work.
5: And Mm -hmm. uh, also
2: most of the institutions in America that most of the major um, manuscript uh, repositories have have, 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 are part of this and have been deeply interested in African uh, in in and African materials that they have and African American materials and they've strongly supported it as 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 well. So uh, so there there are lots of portals that people can can use to enter into all of this online or into all of the the, the, the any almost any of the major. Um, of historical societies, uh, into the university libraries, or the Library of Congress, as well as working online, which is now where most people,
4: I think.
3: Uh, did you come across, uh, in terms of the strong women, uh, of uh, that that came over? Uh, one one struck me as uh, uh, being particularly seminal to uh, America: the, the first uh, woman to be, the first African to be granted slavery officially uh, free. uh, And therefore uh, saying slavery is illegal was a a woman uh, named Ma Betts. and she was in Massachusetts and she was a a, a maid who sued her family, uh, her slave owning uh, family and won. Uh, So there's a strong woman uh, uh, example uh, that that is, yeah, is generally not known, and and the other thing to to uh, Bill is that right down the road from you, if you row down that Savannah River, you'll come to some African speaking or the remnants of African speaking oh. people, the gichi and the Gullah. Oh yes,
4: on the, yeah. So go, yeah, you know about that. Yes, they, I know, they, know about that. I, <laughs> I've been to. uh, What is it? Let me see. Uh, hunting island i think is a big Oh, one. all of them st simon all those coastal
3: and islands uh, island and, yeah yeah, yeah. And one, of my,
2: of a- one of my closest uh, friends amongst of my colleagues in history is charles Joyner. uh, uh he's now in his grave but he uh worked at uh, uh, operated out of a small university called coastal carolina college hmm. which was uh, not far from myrtle beach in south carolina and he was a great scholar and he's written the major books on African cultures in, uh, in South Carolina. Uh, and we spent a lot of time traveling with him, uh, traveling in some places by boat to, to islands uh, where there are African-American communities who welcomed him and he, uh, he is himself uh, Anglo-American in his origins. But he is fluent in Gullah and Gambo, uh, and uh, was it was is well known and much loved by everybody in South Carolina, well, not everybody in South Carolina, but by, <laughs> by, 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 by many people in South Carolina. And, um, and, and it was a pleasure to travel with him uh, in many parts of the Low Country and to go to African American churches on Sundays to to get mm-hmm. into the cultures there. Uh, to listen to Gullah as it is still spoken today, um, and, and not not often um, in ways that are so accessible, unless you go there uh, and go there with somebody who is known there, uh, and can can uh, so that people will, will trust an outsider and speak uh, openly with with them, and that's what we tried to do when we traveled. Uh, in various parts of America, traveling uh, uh, with, uh, with people who who were Gullah speakers themselves in South Carolina. And we did similar things like that in Louisiana and other parts of the South as well.
7: Stepping back from our conversation today, I can't help being reminded that uh, our multiculturalism, our multicultural society is often described as a great experiment, uh, frankly, often held up as uh, a great risk. A democracy can't, cannot possibly happen, whereas, in fact, our conversation today has you have brought out that it's precisely that which is where the strength lies. Yes. Because uh, power must be distributed across groups instead of one taking dominance.
2: Yes. And I think it's important to um, that that, that we we, we, it's important to to not only to keep all of that alive, but to to keep keep it keep it growing.
5: And it is, it really is these days. I think we are all very impressed by your work, and and uh, some of the details that you have revealed are are just fascinating. And uh, clearly, it's been a life's work. And I'm just wondering how you got started. Was there some particular experience that sparked this and, and made you think, wow, I have to get into this. I'm going to pursue this this research. Was there something, some early experience of yours that got you got you going? Well, I think there were a fair number. I, I grew up uh, in Maryland, mostly in the city of
2: Baltimore, mm. and uh, my father... Um, became the superintendent of schools for, for Baltimore City. His name was John Fisher. He was an extraordinary man he, uh, and in uh, his grave now, but he, uh, then he went on to become the president of Columbia University for a, a brief time, Columbia University Teachers College. Uh, and, uh, but he, um, he uh, presided over a segregated uh, the, the, the school system in Baltimore. And then when Brown versus Board of Education came down, um, he led the process of integration. And he did it in a very thoughtful and and careful way, but he also did it very quickly. Uh, And there was an enormous backlash, Uh, but uh, but it, but it, 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 it kept moving and he has always been he was a very important example exemplar in, in, in my life. And then we also had African Americans working in my family. Uh, there was a woman named Flora Jackson. Flora Jackson. Uh, she was a tall African-American woman. She was over six feet tall. And she worked first for my grandmother, uh, beginning in the I don't know, 1930s or so. And then she kept on for uh, into the 1980s, and she worked for my 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 mother, Uh, and then she worked for my wife Judy, and then she looked after my my children, as well, and she had a presence in in the the lives of five generations in my family. Mm -hmm. She was also at the same time, she was a leader of the African American. Mm -hmm community in Baltimore. She was a she was a, a church leader in her in her yeah. church in Baltimore. Uh, and she was a woman of great dignity, enormous strength. Uh, and um, uh, she was always an, an example uh, to, to me and to everybody else in the family as a kind of presence um, in, 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 in our lives. Uh, and I remember her in, in, when I was a very small child, she uh, and, and it continued even into 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 the adult years, and there were many other people like that. I could uh, multiply examples, but um, I, we had contact with many African Americans in in Baltimore, as well as with the leaders in the Baltimore community, uh, and and all of that uh, shaped the world in which I in which I grew up. Mm. Uh, and uh, my my first. To a serious piece of history was as a, as a, a as a, a junior paper at Princeton, where I was an undergraduate, uh, and it was um, uh, it was uh, uh, about um, uh, I thought that the, the Van, Van Van Woodward I I thought wrote a very powerful book called The Strange Career of Jim Crow, mm-hmm. and I thought that he had missed something very important, which was about the long history. Before uh, the period in which he mainly worked was the late 19th century, and so my first, my first, the uh, uh, first serious piece of history that I wrote as a junior paper at Princeton was about African American history. It was the first round when I was, uh, what was I, 16 years old at the time, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, at 17 years old, uh, and
0: it, 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 it grew, it grew, grew from there. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really quite fascinating and uh, good luck on the book. Well, thank you for your interest in it and uh, uh, to be continued. Okay, great. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. That was university professor and Warren professor of history at Brandeis University, David Fisher. And that's it for this episode of The Last Negroes at Harvard. I'm Kent Garrett. You can hear more episodes on our podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or from wherever you get your podcast. Plus, you can read all about us in the book, The Last Negroes at Harvard.